Our scripture reading this morning comes from Isaiah 9, verses 1 to 7. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And friends, this same prophet says also that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. What is the first week of Advent 2023? Uh, But what exactly is Advent? You know, Advent isn't a word that we use every day. We don't go through regular conversations saying, "'Tis the advent of winter," or "'I remember the advent of rock music.'" Not something we use often. And yet Advent is actually a simple word. It means coming or arrival. Advent is the time that we prepare to celebrate the coming of Jesus. And our scripture reading today talks about Christ's coming. Hundreds of years before he was born, God sent this prophet, Isaiah, to the people of Israel. And at the time he prophesied, Israel had blatantly disregarded the Lord, they blatantly disregarded his ways. They were worshiping other gods, they were oppressing people, they were committing all sorts of injustice. All this despite God coming to them time and time again to say, turn back to me. Turn from your ways. And in Isaiah chapter 8 then, Isaiah describes the gloom and anguish that will come to them because of their sin. Isaiah 8, 21 to 22 reads, They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. What it says here is that the people will be judged and given into the hands of their enemies. They are going to be conquered and lose their land. And this, of course, will bring distress, gloom, and anguish. Now we know what those things are. Certainly, like Israel, we have experienced the gloom and anguish uh, of our hearts as a result of sin. 
where we've chosen to mistrust God and his word and act against his ways. Where we've been deceived by sin, expecting it to bring us joy, but instead bringing us hurt, heartache, and ultimately death. And we've fallen at times into despair over the consequences of sin, over the regret of what we've done. But even apart from sin in our lives, we experience gloom and distress simply because we live in a broken and fallen world. We deal with hurt and pain and sorrow in our own lives. We look at the state of our world with so much violence harming innocent life, and these things bring us sorrow and gloom and anguish. And so it feels like we're walking in darkness. And when you're in darkness, you're desperate for light. In fact, in their anguish and gloom, Israel, after having experienced God's judgment, would also be desperate for light. And what Isaiah 9 tells us is that Israel's story doesn't end in gloom. And neither does ours. God will bring light to his people for he has not given up on them. The light of Christ will shine in the darkness. Isaiah tells us that in the same place where this gloom was born for Israel, light is going to come. When Assyria came to conquer the northern kingdom of Israel, as Isaiah prophesied, they started in these places that Isaiah mentions in verse 1. They started their attacks in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, which is located around the Sea of Galilee along the Jordan. But now, Isaiah says, from that same place of disaster, God is going to bring light and joy. And in fact, this is exactly where Jesus begins his ministry hundreds of years later. Matthew 4, 12 to 17 says this, Now when he heard, this Jesus, now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Isaiah prophesies that in those coming days, gloom will turn to joy. The people of Israel will rejoice in God, like when they have a bountiful harvest. Now, we might think, well, yeah, it's nice to have a good harvest, but how, why, why is that the, the reason given for joy? Well, because if you lived in the ancient Near East, if you didn't have a bountiful harvest, you would starve. There were no grocery stores. And so to have a bountiful harvest is a great cause for joy. They'll also have joy like when their military comes having plundered the enemy. The people will be free from the burden of those who oppress them. And it will be God who does this seemingly impossible feat. At that time, even the clothing used for war will be burned, because war will be a thing of the past. But how can that happen? 
How can something so radical happen that will not only affect Israel, but will affect all of us who trust in the God of Israel? What will cause this major switch? A child will be born. This will happen because for unto us a child is born. Verse 6, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And he will bring light where there was once only darkness. Luke 2.11 echoes this passage when the angels announce Jesus' birth. They say, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Isaiah speaks of a coming ruler, one who will be born and who will reign forever. And that's who Jesus is. And Isaiah describes him as wonderful counselor. He's the wise king who leads us according to God's ways. And from Jesus flows true wisdom and guidance in knowing, loving, and living for the Lord. He is mighty God. He's mighty. He's not a king that could be conquered or defeated, but he is strong and powerful. Now, no mere king of Israel would ever take the title mighty God. That would be blasphemy. But what this tells us is that this child to be born will not only be fully human, but fully God. And that's who Jesus is. God actually takes on human flesh and comes to his people to set things right. This is how he bridged the gap between us and humanity, or between him and us. God comes to reconcile us to himself, to bring light to a dark world. And he shall be called Everlasting Father. The child to be born is our creator, the one who cares for us as a loving father. And he will be called Prince of Peace. He brings peace. We find peace in him. Through him, there's peace between God and humanity. Through him, we can have peace with one another. And this passage, remember, is spoken in the context of war and violence. And that tells us when Jesus rules, he's not going to rule as an oppressive force like earlier kings or empires, but as one who brings peace and thus brings an end to fear as well. Pastor John Piper summarizes this passage by saying it describes an infinitely wise, caring, loving governance leading to glorious peace. This is who Jesus is. That is what Jesus brings into our lives. Jesus is the king we need. Verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now these things will happen because a child is born. Jesus' birth at Bethlehem changed everything. 
That very event led to his ministry, to his death, and his resurrection to save us from our sins. But his birth still has massive ramifications because his kingdom is coming. This kingdom that verse 7 describes, a world where the king judges justly and righteously, a society with never-ending peace and wholeness that can only be found through Christ, a kingdom with a perfect ruler who will reign forever. And it is the zeal of the Lord that will do this. That's the type of world we long for. That's the type of world that will only ever come through Jesus. Jesus is the one who turns our gloom into joy. First and foremost, we can rejoice because he saved us. We have stood condemned before him for our treason against a perfect and holy God. And yet when he enters our lives, he brings light and joy. He brings forgiveness that we couldn't possibly earn. He heals and restores our broken relationship with God that we couldn't possibly fix. We find salvation in him. We know that he will not leave us, that he walks with us day by day. And that alone is cause for joy for the rest of our lives. But that's not all. He is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is God with us. You see, even if our world crumbles down around us and we literally have nothing left, we have him. We have the child who was born, our savior. You see, even in our hurt, our pain, Jesus remains and he will not leave. Every other hope of our lives will fail but not our hope in him. He is the light that shines in the darkness. And when suffering and pain come, we can still hold on to the truth that we belong to God and that he is holding on to us. Nothing, no sickness, no loss, nor pain will ever change that. Our God walks with us. And finally, God's perfect government is coming. For all who trust in Jesus, we can have joy as we await what is to come. So that though we mourn because of the state of our world, because of the oppression of people, because of the persecution of followers of Christ, we can still find hope and joy in the fact that this is not how it ends. A better day is coming, one where God reigns with justice and righteousness. And even now, we can find hope and joy as we live our lives with Christ. And so my question to us this morning then is have we allowed Jesus to reign over our lives? Scholar John Oswalt writes, have we allowed the child king to take over the government of our lives? Only then we can know the benefits of God with us. We cannot have the light, the honor, the joy, the abundance, the integration that he offers in any other way. I guarantee you, 
he is a much better ruler than you or I would be over our own lives. He is the perfect king, the mighty God, the wise counselor and the one who brings true, lasting peace that the world cannot give. Our creator who cares and looks out for us. What more could we ask for? In Christ, the gloom of our sin is, gloom of our sin is removed. We are loved and cherished and held by God. And the gloom of this broken world will give way to hope because God's kingdom is coming. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your coming. We thank you for the hope that you bring, for the joy that we can have in you. Thank you for coming into the darkness of our world and coming in to save us and drawing us to you for your great forgiveness. Lord, we pray that your kingdom would come. As we pray in the Lord's Prayer, we pray now thy kingdom come. We look forward to your return, Jesus. Help us day by day as we walk with you to know you're there, to hold on to your presence. And when we stumble, Lord, help us to know that you're holding on to us. In Jesus' name. Amen.